It's the Zero Edge Podcast starring the Zero Edge guy himself, Chris Walton. Each week, Chris dives into the deep end to discuss any and everything in the pool business. And now, give it up for the Zero Edge guy himself, Chris Walton. Well, welcome and thank you for joining us on the Zero Edge Guy podcast brought to you by Great American Waterfall, where we shape your water. I'm uh, joined today again with (laughs) Adam Steele, Pete Jackson. We kind of got, you know, uh, abruptly ended to that last episode. It was kind of we were running up on time and we're trying to do our best to kind of keep this dialogue from slipping into the doldrums of 45 minutes to an hour. But um, long story short, I want to pick up where we kind of left off and talk more about the the whole um, hydraulic design versus practical application of installing uh, the plumbing. And and, you know, where do you where, where where do we see ourselves going wrong and are there any red flags we can throw up the moment we kind of uh, um, diagnose non-normal scenarios in order to create better, um, more hydraulically sound systems, okay? Um, I see it all the time in in water features. Water features being uh, spouts, shears, also exotic edges, um, pool spot combos to me uh, with a single pump system are a no-no, but you know, <clears throat> we see them every day, right? You know what, let me back up. I think here's the answer. We, we probably need to define, we probably, I probably need to define a, a little bit more about what I feel like engineers do in this, in this process. So let's say we had the perfect world scenario. Let's say that homeowners went out and they got themselves a designer that designed this pool, like a professional pool architect. Whether that pool architect is an engineer of record or an engineer that can do the hydraulic design or not, who cares? But let's say it's passed from the designer to the engineer. The engineer does the engineering on the pool and then it goes to four or five, then it goes to the homeowner. And just like any custom house would, it goes out to four or five pool pool contractors. To me, that's the perfect world scenario. Let's, let's say that now you get the opportunity to bid. You've got full, full um, engineering plans in front of you. Every pool that you ever see is a set of engineering plans. Is your company as a, as a builder going to be more successful or less successful? I, I guess it depends the kind of builder you are. Because if you, I mean, I guess it could set you up for success um, in the sense that someone already sat down and did the calculations for you and sized all your plumbing and everything. But it also could lead to your failure because how do you know a lot of these guys even know what they're doing because it made sense on paper. Does it really make sense in the field? You That's know, I exactly see a lot of the things I was looking for. Great answer. There's Adam. a, there's a lot going. of guys that I've seen plans on and I, you know, I, I've even, you know, built jobs that someone else, you know, started the design and end up getting kicked off the job halfway or things have changed. But I just look at it going, okay, this might've been sit, you know, since sitting at your drafting table, but this will never work. Uh, and if it does work, it's not really going to work. You're going to get, you know, the, the, the fountain that doesn't even spew, you know, it pours out of, uh, the first one and not out of the next three. So I think infield, uh, knowledge is more beneficial than the, than the desk work knowledge. If you've never built. What's your take on that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're probably need a lot better plans than just guessing, but I think Adam's right that every now and then you'll get something that's just not, not feasible or not applicable to real world stuff so i think it your your scenario is heading the right direction we, we had one that we just did yesterday landscape architect drew the plan beautiful plan uh from the rubber flow we were sixty thousand dollars higher than the other guy 
And luckily we're in good terms with the architect. He's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for you here, but what's, what's going on? You know, I think it's a hundred perimeter edge overflow. The other guy had two auxiliary pumps on it and no pipe on it over two and a half inch. So, I mean, there's a definite reason why we're a little bit more money when we, we're, we're oversizing and doing what we do. But I think that's kind of our job to get in front of the client and explain, hey, here's the value we add here. And, and here's our portfolio and what we've done and successful with. So um, I, I struggle with, so what do we do? Because the architect asked me, do, do you want me to do the plans? You can design a hydraulic and specify it. And then when I send the bid pack out to three guys, you all bid the same thing. And it's kind of hell no. I mean, unless you want to pay me for it, but at the same time, I don't want to be liable for their bills. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the, what the answer is that do we have a competitive edge? Do we have this knowledge? We've got to work harder to get them there. And some clients will get it and some won't, or do we want to standardize it and who's going to standardize it and put their, their name on it for liability purposes. Exactly. I mean, you, you make a really good point there because, because both of you guys made really good points. Cause if you think about it, both of you guys sound more like general contractors now than pool contractors with your responses to that. Right. So if your if your issue wasn't, the accuracy of the drawings and it was just the validity of the drawings and you having good uh you know uh contracting experience to to be able to suss out when uh something's going awry and my kids are going to listen to this and love the fact that i just used the word sus so try not to giggle too much um <clears throat> but i think the trick here is is i want to convey one thing an engineer is not an all-powerful entity that sits up there and knows all okay I think that we all have this 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 consuming belief that being an engineer or a PE makes you infallible and or uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, godlike in knowledge. Okay, um, people ask me all the time, Chris, are you an engineer? I always tell them no, uh, and I, you know I've got tons of friends that are that are that are that are engineers, and they say that I am what you call a practical engineer. And that's kind of exactly what you guys were talking about on the last podcast when I said, you know, the way you handle the things, Adam, is you use empirical data and experience to develop a means and method, right? And right. where Pete's, on the other hand, he's using an individual um, system design and developing it that way. You're more like a practical engineer where he's more like um, a, a normal PE, if that makes any sense. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Okay, so I think one of the things that we miss when we start when we start having this conversation about engineers, their value is that just because an engineer set, sent you a set of plans doesn't need does not mean that he can't make his mistake, nor that you should not review the plans to, to ensure that they're accurate. But here's the problem: <clears throat> the the level of education in the pool industry is so low that if every single project was was mandated by bureaucracy to have to be individually engineered by APE, we would still probably have the same issues that we have now because pool builders don't know when the, when the, uh, the, the PE or the engineer of record on that project has designed outside the parameters of what's capable by the means and method of the install. Does that make sense? Sure, yes. Okay, so I, I feel like I got up on my soapbox here, so I, I apologize for that, but <clears throat> I truly want to be able to, to, to kind of source some sort of path for, for the average Joe pool builder who's listening to the podcast who wants to know where, where and how and why and blah, yada yada. What do you feel like are your biggest questions in um, plumbing that either you have or haven't answered in this moment? 
Pete, you want to start that? Or do you want to think about it for a minute? Totally okay if you want to think about it for a minute. Yeah, let Adam go for a second. Um, so for me, my my typical spa is 36 plus jets in most of my pools. So no Good one God. really builds no one really builds them in the uh, pool industry across the country. So I really had to just teach myself how to do it. Good God. And Pete, after the do you have the same face on Pete? Do you do you have the same? Oh my God, how many can you repeat that for me, Adam? How many jets are in your spa? So my my so my minimum, I won't do a spa under 16, but my average spa is between 36 and 42. Um, my last one I just finished was 52. And so nobody builds them and I wanted to really stand out from everybody else. So what I did is I, you know, I had to teach myself, I had a lot of math, a lot of calculation, how many gallons per minute per jet and uh, all the, um, you know, the TDH. And once I figured it out and I really got my first big spa under my belt, now I can build a 108 jet spa the same way I built a 36 jet because I already figured it out. So I just know my math. I know my loops. I know what I need to do. And I can reproduce them very quickly because of that. And a lot of times now I can pre-make some of the stuff in my shop and just take it to the job site to save a day's worth of plumbing or two days worth of plumbing on one of those spas. Hell yeah. Build manifolds on a rain day and take them out to the job and install them later. Hell yeah. That's what I do. And if I know that if I know the size spot, I know my spacing, just because of how many of these complicated spas I've built over the years, I can sit down and go, okay, we have these three geodes coming up. It's pouring down rain. I know what my spacing is going to be. I know what my distance between this is going to be. Let's just make up pieces and we'll cut the top of the rebar cage part, pull it apart and slide the whole manifold in. Wow. Can I take us that on took a quick years. This, yeah, I, I, I bet, I bet. It, taking us on a quick tangent, I got to ask you some questions. So do you do a single pump system or a two pump system for pool spot combos? Pool spot combo? Yes. Depending, so depending the pool, I will either do a single or a double. I prefer to do a double, but most, so my minimum spot, my 16 jet has three pumps on it. So if my pad allows for me to port the fourth pump, I will. If not, I just have to use the three pumps and use the one on an actuator. Okay, let me back up and ask my question differently. So you have one pump for, for circulation, correct? Correct. And then you have on your 16th uh, jet spa, you have two additional pumps that those are specifically for jets, correct? So I know, so I actuate. So for a typical 16 jet spa, I will do um, 12 jets up top, four jets down below. So I'll do the 12 jets up top with two pumps and I'll do the bottom jet, the bottom four jets down below with that single pump so I can reduce the gallons per minute. So the heater, I don't do it, run any issues with the heater or the, or the, uh, or the filter. And then okay. the other two run wide open. I like it. I like it. That's almost the same way that I would run my, my, uh, my two pop, my two pump systems that I would just have the, the heated water return to a footwell return, you know, Correct. Pulling from the pulling from the footwell, returning to the footwell, heat rises. It's more efficient. Blah blah blah. And then the spa jet uh, spa jet pump would pull from the main drains and return to the jets only, not going through the filter and heater and yada yada. Yeah. So on my on like the last one I finished the fifty two jet, I had uh, I had twelve jets down below, so it was it was uh, two pumps. Mm -hmm. uh, the rest of them were shoulder and lower back. Um, and what I did is I I made a manifold as it came through. The hot water went through the bottom with one other pump and then same thing went through the bottom came up to the top and filtered back around Dude, that's cool all right nice how about you pete do you do single pump systems dual pump systems 
usually single pump systems for a pool spa. Um, Adam and I were talking about this the other day, and I just we don't get a ton of requests of, hey, man, melt me with power in the spa. I don't think spas are as readily used here in Dallas. It's a little bit hotter than maybe New Jersey. So it's just not – we get more emphasis on water features and, and stuff of that nature. So it's something I'm interested in. I'm talking to somebody uh, around here, and it really was what you guys were saying. Uh, the filtration goes to the floor and then have an auxiliary pump thrown the jet. So it's something I want to start doing, but currently it's just single pumps for full spa. Well, I, I kind of know the answer for Adam on this one already. What kind of jets are you using? So I using Adam, I, Adam, I, I know what kind of jets you're using. Oh, oh, go ahead. Okay. You Sorry, me. I thought you were asking. Me. No, no, you're, <laughs> you're cool. Pete, what kind of jets are you using? We were using the waterways. Um, I forgot what they're called, but it's a polystorm. Two, 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 two inch loops. Polystorms, yeah. But we can't get them anymore. So I'm just going to the one and a half over unders now with an inch and a half thread. Gotcha. Uh, for those who don't know what you're using, Adam, what are you using as far as jets are concerned? So I'm using the CMP or the waterway over under inch and a half on top, two inch male adapter in the front. I can be able to pull my Venturi out as far as I need to come, my Venturi nozzle. Gotcha. So have you ever used the, the, the I guess the waterway, uh, I think it's waterway, waterway in that, uh, well, the CMP master jet. So the I master jet. The inch and a half over two inch with the two and a half inch pipe coming through the wall. So you've got the the multiple head head types that you can put on it. That's, so I that's have what we've been using, but we we got away from it. If you need some, Pete, I got a whole I got a whole pallet of them. I'll ship them down your way. <laughs> what, what's you what's your deal? Why, why don't you like Why don't you like those? So few reasons. Uh, first reason is is adjusting that internal one inch threaded nipple that you got to put in and cut that pipe to length and then put that all. So for the average person, it's confusing. They're very hard to winterize because we live in the Northeast. You have to be you know taking into winterization into our what we do. So getting a two inch two and a half inch plug is very difficult. Um, and it's they're so big with the two and a half it's hard when i'm putting 52 jets in a spa to be able to get all of that into a wall and make that wall structurally sound because a lot of times i got to go to an 18 inch wall to begin with to be able to fit all that extra pipe in the wall makes it very difficult i just think they're hard for you know i've got five of my own guys in the field every day and it's hard for them to be able to install those once you know once it's ready for plaster I've had more issues with them being in the Northeast and having to winterize them. That doesn't really make worth their headache. And I think I get more power out of the other ones, believe it or not, even though it's smaller, everything's smaller inside of it. I get more directional flow. Well, I, that makes sense to me with the smaller lines, you have a higher line velocity as a result of it. So it makes sense. Um, and now they make spinning, they make spinning uh, inch and a half wall threads. So we put our inch and a half wall fitting on and they make ones that spin now and twirl and do everything else. Gotcha. So what's your, what is your, what is your, the base jet GPM that you're, that you're assuming for all of your jets? Because they always so, give you that 12 to 16 or eight to 12 or, or 18 to 24. What's the GPM you, you assume? So I generally go with eight. Um, I generally go with eight, eight gallons per minute. I always lean to the conservative side. So if I have to, I'll even back that down to six or seven, mm -hmm. but I usually go with eight for my, my start, my starting point for my calculations. What about you, Pete? Where are you starting out on jets? We usually just do eight in a single row. Yeah. 
Huh. I'm not a spot enthusiast. Enthusiast like Adam. I need I need to up my game. I'll, I'll I'll admit it. Yeah. Well, I'm I just I, it's it's interesting to me. So like in in my market, it's it's similar to Pete's. It's so hot down here. Not everybody uses a spa all the time. It's more of a most of the time to me, it's a water feature or or something you do in the evening in the cool cool of the evening or something like that, right? So it's more of a they're going to yeah. be in there for twenty minutes. If if it's any more than that, they're going to have meat falling off the bone, and so they're going to get out. You know what I mean? But uh, so yep. when I when I took the approach, my my approach was the was the uh, the Polystorm or the CMP Master Jet with the two and a half inch and whatnot because it was to me it was the only way that I could handle it in the field that guys wouldn't step on the jets and break them. Contractors guys, stucco guys are the worst. They're you know putting their 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 freaking scaffolding up and the across the back of the house and it goes across the the pool and they end up putting one of the legs down on one of the freaking. Uh, inch and a half or two inch uh, jet fittings that's coming out and snap it. I just didn't have that same problem with the two and a half inch plumbing. But anyway, I was operating under 20 gallon per minute for those for those jets that I was operating with. And man, they would just absolutely just rock. <clears throat> anyway, thanks for the sidebar. But one of the things that I think that's important about that conversation is that that kind of gets you to the point where you start looking at dividing up your systems on each individual pool and looking at the, the highest GPM requirement. And that's one of the frustrating parts about, I think, the reason it, it's almost like pool builders drove manufacturers to the variable speed pump because we all we we were sizing the pump to the largest water demand. And then the smallest water demand ended up being our turnover. And we were turning pools over in two to three hours because we were doing two pumps, uh, single pump systems. So now we've got multiple, uh, we got variable speed pumps out there so we can operate single pump systems for pool spot combos and just up or reduce or, or increase the RPM in order to achieve what we're trying to achieve. But again, it doesn't provide you with the ability to split up and have those features that are on your, on your project operate while you're in the spa. So I think if we go back to like the last podcast and we're talking about you know, how to approach these things, one of the things that we need to do is approach them on a system by systems uh, scenario. And it sounds like you guys have already done that. I mean, whether you want to, I know I talked about, you know, there's method A and method B, method A being, you know, you using empirical data, but at some point, Adam, you did use method A on that first one. And that first- Oh, absolutely. One, yeah. So regardless of regardless of where you ended up and how you do it on a day to day basis and the difference between A and B, you're still you still have the background of having done the calculations, knowing where the calculations come from. And that's what helps make your your uh, uh, empirical or, or historical data um, accurate. Yes. So so for now that I, you know, because of how many size pools we've built over the years, I'm able to take that data. But I. I still check on new pools or something that's, you know, out of our, out of a quote, normal pool. So when you get those high complexity pools, I still sit down and check and do it, you know, back to the textbook. Yeah, I, I do the same thing too. So if, if you could impart one, I guess, one point of wisdom um, to uh, pool builders, what, what would you say that one um, point of, of uh, wisdom you would share with Pete? You tell me, dude, where, where, where are you at on, when it comes to sizing plumbing and if you were going to share with an, another pool builder who came to you and asked you the question, what do I need to focus on learning first? 
So I, I think you need to focus on, so for me, it's mainly gallons per minute and flow. Um, like you said, the, that's why I think manufacturers started making variable speed pumps is because pool builders didn't know their flow. They didn't know their gallons per minute. So they just gave us a motor that we could adjust it to get what we need. Um, so I think just more understanding on how your pump works, what the flow you're going to get out of it, what your total you know, dynamic head loss is and, uh, focusing more on, you know, resistance for me. Cause if you, you, know, you put a return in way down at the bottom, it's going to get way more, you know, there's way more resistance than it is up at the top of the pool. So, um, for sure. Cause the column of water and the pressure, which a lot of guys don't understand. They think, oh, I'm just going to run a bunch of floor returns. Well, that's going to take way more pressure that pump to operate than if you have them nine inches below the water line. Um, so I think just more understanding your features and how things work would be, you know, a great start for everybody. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I, I agree. Kind of understanding what you what you're trying to achieve and how to get there. Um, I, I think the biggest thing how I've learned a lot lately is just getting out, starting them up, seeing how they operate, um, going back and visiting them, talking to clients about some of their woes. Um, I, I came short a lot in the first couple of pools I built because I, the pools were so smart and with actuators, I was trying to get so much out of a single pump, but it became so complex the homeowner couldn't use it. Um, so just kind of working through it, understanding what you're doing, um, and then getting feedback from maintenance from end users to how you can, how you can do it better. So I've almost changed my mindset to become as simple as possible and create some redundancy. So if they're using it, it's how sad, but what's going to keep the call away from me Friday at 10 o'clock at night, what's going to make it the end user happier, um, as far as, uh, usability, um, sound on the property and, and energy consumption. So, um, I think getting a general understanding for uh, velocity, um, size in your pipe, and then also just going out there and working with your plumbers on laying it out, making sure you like how things are laid out. What would you What would you sum up? What would you sum up as as being kind of like the one the 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 one phrase that you would pass on, Adam? Keep it simple. I like it. How about you, Pete? Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It might be. It might change in a few weeks, but keep it simple. Oh, Pete the parrot. I love it. Yep. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know we were going to get such, such, I thought we might get more of uh, contrasting viewpoints from the two of you, but you guys seem to be pretty much on, on par with, with every answer that you have. Oh, I agree with him. But yeah. He, he hit the nail on the head. Um, so when, when it comes to, when it comes to these, um, these little nuggets of wisdom, I, I kind of like, I kind of would like the approach of understanding that, more GPM doesn't always mean bigger pump. You know, I, I get that all the time. So what you're saying is I need more gallons per minute. So do I need to go from a three horsepower pump to a five horsepower pump? Oh God, no. <laughs> oh God, no. So you're, you're, you're better <laughs> off increasing pipe size. And I think our biggest restraint is is pipe. You know, most guys don't understand what, what a two inch pipe even moves and that, 2.7 horsepower variable speed can move more water than that two inch pipe could ever carry on a five foot short run oh yeah no doubt i've actually so, run into two scenarios that you almost exactly what you're talking about and both times it was hey the water feature isn't isn't operating and they send photos and so i see the photos and i can i can tell just by looking at the photos that it's basically it's a gpm um, supply issue. It is not getting enough gallons per minute. So I automatically ask, okay, what line size is the plumbing? What distance is the plumbing? I know we talked about this in the last, in the last episode, but, um, 
before I have any builder go off and, and try to dig up lines and replace them, I've, I've had two different guys go in and say, hey, you, right now you've got, say, a two-inch line. Go, lay, you know, just lay down on top of the ground a three-inch line, plumb it in, and then put some sandbags on top of it so that you can operate it, turn it on, and see if it changes the flow or the outcome of the water. And if it does, then we know we're on the right path and that we need to change the line size. Because what that truly does is it gives them a test subject that they can do that doesn't cost them an arm and a leg, that kind of takes the, manufa the manufacturer side of my job out of it so that they don't feel like I'm trying to stick them with a rotten egg. They get to go out and try it, implement it, and then they see that they created a change for the good, but it's not quite there yet. Then they know what it was, was the line sizes, the line side size needed to be bigger. Does that make sense? Yes. So what can you do from a manufacturing standpoint to give us guide, guides and guidelines of how to do this? Like if, so we were talking the other day, I had a bank of seven water features in one wall spilling one way and then right behind it, the same wall spilling another way. And I talked with you about how to set this up, but is, no, there, I mean, is, there, is there, are there drawings you can provide to, Hey, if you're going to run six of these together, here's how you need to run a, a main feed. Here's how you tee it. I mean, is that, is that, doable or are you creating um, a bad a lose-lose for yourself dude i freaking love it you've turned the, the the interviewee has turned into the interviewer i, I dig it I, i'm so my response to that is is this simple as a manufacturer um just like as a pool builder you're looking for the most profitable scenario for your business to operate in right so we're set up as a custom shop which means that i don't want to limit you as our builders that use our product from you know, being able to, to do what's in your imagination because we can fabricate it, right? But we also need to be able to come out to the mass market with some sort of standardized product. So I, I know it may sound like I'm diverging from your question, but it's this simple. You when are. you run into a custom scenario where you're using any one of our standard products, it's like if you called Moen and asked Moen, say, hey, how, how should I plumb my house so that the bath these two bathrooms that are back to back Get equal water pressure do you think moen's going to help you or give you a suggestion on how to plumb the house the answer to that question is no but now when you call us or me you get that answer but it's not an answer of i'm not saying here do it this way i'm talking you through the process so you think through the process on your own you come up with the answer yourself does that make sense yeah, but I think a lot of the, your your companies are going to be mass producers of pools, quote unquote, a volume builder. They have designers, right? To design the pools, they don't necessarily go build over, see them operate. Yep. So what are they going to buy your products most? Of? I mean, they're going to buy a, a sheer descent and they're going to put three of them together on a raised wall. So, I mean, you can create some standards for very simple things that at least provoke thought and these designers that sit at a desk all day. So if they do do something crazy, they're like, well, I've seen it, I've seen it manifold this way before. So maybe that's why you, the direction I need to start thinking. Well, yeah, those, those standards are actually already out there. So, I mean, you go to any one of the, um, the Genesis classes, or I would, I, and I haven't been to a water shapes university course, but I'm pretty sure that that's in their standards, uh, scenarios too, of teaching people about what a, what a plumbing loop is and whatnot. So in all honesty, if, if, if as a manufacturer of, of water features, if, if let's say a great American started putting those standardized details out there, they would be so basic, they would be just like a rule of thumb. You know what I mean? And unless you know where that rule of thumb comes from, you don't know when you begin to paint outside the lines. 
Does that make sense? So what I've done since I've come to Great American is I try to stay out of, keep Great American out of the design of anybody's projects. Meaning, um, do I know how a rain is supposed to be installed on a pergola? Hell yes, I know. But it's only because I've seen it a million times. Am I gonna tell you how it should be installed in the pergola? Hell no, I'm not. Because I don't have a clue about material costs in your area, labor costs in your area. I don't have a clue of common practices for your geographical area. If I get involved with the structure of your, of your pool or the hydraulic design of your pool, then I own it. And as a manufacturer, you can't own something like that. That's liability that's just unreasonable to expect out of a manufacturer. Does that make sense? You don't like it, I can tell. Yeah. You're watching back and you don't like it. Well, you're, previously you're like, we're, how do we get this information out so more people can get it? And now you're saying the information is specific to geographic and market. And it's just, that's what's so difficult about it. There's, nobody wants to create a rule of thumb. Hey, here's, here's how to start thinking. It's not the answer, but this is how we need to start thinking. If nobody wants to own it. Well, I, I'll tell you this. Like, all right. So first of all, I'm, 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 not, I'm not interested in getting out there and, and, and uh, becoming this, an entity that is revered or, or up on a pedestal uh, or, you know, I have no desire to be anyone's um, teacher. I do want to share information freely. I think that information should be shared freely. So when you call me on the phone and you have questions, I'll spend two, four hours with you on one sit down without any issue, never charging you a dime, but I never directly get involved with how you choose to design your project. I'll talk you through the pros and cons of the different means and methods, and then you choose one that keeps me out of liability and keeps me out of, of uh, you know, also getting too involved in your in your projects. Does that make sense? Now, You're right. I guess what I'm saying is that I want to participate, but I don't want to be known to as as I don't want to give away my time for free because I have too many other things in the manufacturing and R&D stuff that I, I get so excited about doing. But I want to give you any, any and as much of me as you need or want or can stand, Adam. Um, but on top of that, um, how do I do that and do you justice without at least trying to guide you the direction to find the path that you need to be on? Does that make sense? So I'm not trying to give you yeah, conflicting... Definitely. I'm not trying to give you conflicting things like the, the way you, the premise of your question. Um, I'm just busting you, man. I mean, I, I know it's a hard spot. It's just kind of from a consumer standpoint, that's, that's sometimes hard to get information. I mean, not out of you, you uh, but in, in general, um, you can go to Facebook pages and stuff. You can throw a question out there and you get one guy fighting another guy. This is the right. This is how I've always done it. And sometimes it's just, it's really hard to get like, okay, well, what the hell do I need to do here? I'm busy too. I can't say yes. this is BS. Like I want to install yes. this product. I want to install it right. Can somebody step up and tell me what to do? Um, and it's tough because then that person's liable and, and, and that's the world we live in where they don't want to be liable for that. So that's the problem, I think. What's your take on this, Adam? After you take 20 minutes to unmute yourself? I didn't want you to have to hear me bang on my desk like you play my roller. <laughs> What's your, what's, your take, what's your take on that last section of, of, of conversation? Um, so I, I don't think it's, uh, you know, beneficial to give out too much 
too much free knowledge like you were saying because you have other stuff to do but also to the point where you know a lot of people take things for granted um they just go to the internet and they go to well chris told me this is what i'm going to do every time well it may not work on every application so i think rule of thumb is sometimes hard to follow uh because what do you rule of thumb off of just one standard pool or one standard pipe size or one standard water feature or um anything like that so i think it's hard to put out like a general or a standard for even like your features or this is what we're going to do per foot for a zero edge or for a rain arc um i think there is a little more down to it maybe the math behind how you get to it but not so much like here's rule of thumb because you know every pool builder just to say well you said three inch would work on everything well it didn't work on this one <laughs> that's what i'm trying to avoid you know yeah because everybody six inch. this business stuff, this this business loves to point fingers at well, you told me it would work and it didn't. So it's your mm -hmm. fault. Come fix it. No, not you didn't listen. It's more, you know. Bring Let me bring Adam up to speed. We had a conversation where we were talking about um, a, an exotic edge. I think in this case, it was a combination between like a, um, a zero edge and a, and a, a vanishing edge. <clears throat> and what we were talking about was the return side of the, of the uh, uh, trough system for the, for the zero edge. And um actually no it was the return side this one was the one that was interesting so one of the things i've always preached to anybody who's asked me the question is velocity in foot per second at point of suction is not the only place you need to worry about it you also need to worry about velocity at point of return especially for higher end projects where you have uh, larger linear footages of exotic edge where you could be anywhere from say 600 to 1200 gallons per minute of return now based on six to 1200 gallons per minute of return you need to now enter that into that pool body of water in uh, a velocity that's not going to uh create boil on the top of the water or disturb the surface right so in order to do that how do you calculate what that velocity is going to be well one of the things I, I ended up i ended up calling one of my best friends nick eckhart uh engineer pe uh just phenomenal dude um and pete and i were on the phone with him and the description or the the, the dialogue was was this simple um he engineered the answer and i don't think pete followed it so i wanted to reiterate it real quick because this is pretty interesting so when the the calculations to be able to to figure out with this many gpms coming into the pool this column of water being this this high right how much dis disturbance are we going to create with that that the column of water that's coming in at that rate in this size of a body of water well what you would end up having to do is create a matrix chart where you would plot it out to see how much turbulence creates whatever velocity that is is going to change based on how deep it is in the water does that make sense pete yep so what you'd have to do is actually go in and create a matrix and plot out what depth or what 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 velocity would create a movement in that column of water and then dictate then how low that that pipe would need to be in the wall for the return at that specific rate so when he explained that to you he explained the, the engineered version of it and I don't think it really crossed the gap, if that makes any sense. So, uh, yeah. So I think that's one of the things that you walked away still having more questions, right? Um, I mean, I kind of got, I got, I got his answer. Um, just things you and I have talked about generally with that kind of project, like for instance, uh, to go on another change is the water feature wall we're trying to plumb. Yeah. He said, come in with a six inch line off, off a single pump. 
pump. If I can deliver 230 gallons a minute off this pump, come with a single six inch line, tee it to two fours, and then feed each row off that four. Yes. Basically, you're going to go like three long and then come off each, off the three inch with tees into your fixtures, right? Yes. Why do I have to come up with a six inch when a, with a four inch will handle that gallon per minute and then go to four and four? I didn't understand why I had to take a whole six inch line from that pump up into that wall. Okay. Well, here's why. And I'm glad you asked the question because I can tell you now. Remember me telling you about the the, the wet wall that a company did um, and it was 20 feet vertical in the air? Yeah. Okay. So the wet wall was one gallon per inch per linear foot, which was a, I think it, at the time it was like maybe a six foot wet wall. Let's call it a six foot, which is only 72 gallons per minute. So they used the two inch plumbing because the friction loss in the two inch plumbing and the water velocity in two inch plumbing was perfect for 72 gallons per minute. The problem was they didn't account in the lift of the 20 feet to the top of where the fixture was mounted versus the plumbing drop. So whatever your equivalent length um, 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 calculations are for that system, you then have to go all the way to the end and add 20 feet straight of, of total dynamic head pressure. And when they did that, it basically created so much friction that they weren't getting the correct GPMs to that. So when you're asking me about this situation, sense. we're talking about going vertical from the pump locations, probably about 10 feet. My pumps are four foot below the pool and the wall's five foot tall, so nine feet. Yeah. So what you're now, not only are we pushing water through uh, your four inch pipe, but we're also now having to push it vertical as well. So that's going to create additional Got friction it. loss. Yeah. So, okay. It has to do with the guy. So a lot of times you'll answer my questions, which is great, but then I'll start thinking about why is he doing that? And over the next couple of days, start applying like, okay, now I got more questions. Yep. But That's great. Uh, again, but now what you're doing, what you're doing in that instance with those questions and then thinking about it is almost the same thing that Adam's doing when he builds, you know, the next five or six pools, he adds this one extra feature in it. And he figures out, okay, I can do that better next time. Instead of being four inch, I can get better flow if I do six inch because of the column of water. Do you see what I'm saying? It's it's the same thing. It's just in different means and method. The the outcome that he's that he would have that you or he would have with the four inch would uh, would still be ample that all of those pump all of those uh, uh, spouts would work. They would operate, but they would operate at a very, very low GPM compared to with the six inch line and the reduced uh, total dynamic head pressure, they're going to probably be doing almost double that. Does that make sense? I think that uh, if, if anybody listening to this podcast is interested in this, I just want to throw out the question. I think we should do a live podcast one day. And if anybody's interested to call us up and give us questions and we could totally just go off on those questions. What do y'all think? Absolutely. I just got a thumbs up from our producer. That sounds like a great idea. Let's get a little bit more of a following over the next two or three months or see if uh, anybody wants to post on this on this podcast that, yes, they want to see um, a live call-in version. Then, you know, tell your friends. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll, we'll have some fun with it, too. So, Pete, anything in closing from you on this one, buddy? Statements or question-based? Uh, let's let's go with let's go with statements and summary type scenarios. Um, I just say you got to keep asking questions. Keep good people around you. Keep asking questions and keep looking at your product, what you're putting out there, and seeing how it's performing, seeing asking how you can get better, how can you do better next time, and, and, and keep trying.
Yeah, it's funny how so many people are focused today on their own personal performance and their, their personal health and eating right and having good dietary and, and exercising. It's, we should also focus on our, on our professional lives just equally the same. That's, that's a good point, Pete. How about you, Adam? You got anything in closing? Keep asking questions. Keep learning. Never stop learning. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Awesome. I, I mean, I, if I can add to that in my closing statement, my 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 uh, summation would be that once we get our egos involved in anything, we will lose. We have to stay objective. We have to know that we don't know and then find somebody who does. And if we can't find anybody who does, we need to figure it out and implement it. So anyway, this zero edge guy, Pete, say bye. Bye. Adam, say bye. See everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me today. And uh, thanks for all of the fun and uh, appreciate you guys letting me get lost on my tangent for a little while.